I want to share some scriptures with you this evening that the Lord put on my heart. Let's start in Psalm 145. Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. It says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. Now, the the Hebrew words for compassion and mercy are are different words uh, that are translated here. But if you look up what they mean, they're virtually the same thing. You could interchange as, um, uh, as in the New Testament, uh, it's especially easy to do. You could interchange mercy for compassion and compassion for mercy in just about every place that either of those words are used. And, uh, and you don't change the meaning whatsoever. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. Notice verse 9. The Lord is good to all and, t- and his tender mercies are over all his works. Now, notice that uh, his tender mercies are over all of his works. Literally, that means that everything God does for mankind or interacting with mankind is, uh, is because of his mercy. Everything that he does is a merciful act. Everything that he um, offers to us is because of his mercy. None of it is required. We don't deserve any of it in and of ourselves. We didn't work for anything that he's ever done. It's just his mercy on display. Now I'm going to look over in Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 40. It says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. I want you to notice the two different parts of this. The leper is saying, I believe you can. I just don't know if you will. I believe you can. If you're willing, I would suggest to you folks that that's the majority position of the church, the modern day church. God can do anything. God can heal anyone. God can eradicate any sickness or disease, but you just never know what God's going to do. So much of the church world believes. What's interesting to me is is that with that being the majority position of the church today, Christians throughout the world today. This is the only case we have in Jesus' ministry where anybody approached him on those terms. Only one. And if God was uh, was such a mystery to us about how he works and how healing works and so forth, why is this the only example? Peter, when he was preaching at Cornelius' house in Acts 10.38 said, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed with the devil for God was with him. Now, Peter explains something that most people never seem to get. Peter explains where sickness comes from and why Jesus was anointed by God here in his earthly ministry. Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed with the devil. Doing good and healing are synonymous terms the way he presents it which means healing is, has to be a good work. Healing has to be a good work. And Jesus was anointed to do that very thing. You remember in Luke chapter 4, Jesus went to his own hometown of Nazareth where he had been brought up as a child. And he found the place where it was written. He went into the synagogue and opened the scrolls to read. And he found the place where it was written. It's Isaiah 61 for us. But he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted to open blind eyes and so forth. 
Jesus knew what he was anointed to do. The Bible is very clear that healing is a good work. If we put those scriptures together that we just referred to with Psalm 145, then we understand that it was a work of mercy. Every healing was a work of mercy. Now, here's a question I have for you. Well, hopefully not just for you, but a question that we need to consider. And that is, with all the people in the church world, all the Christians in uh, the modern-day church, that talk about not knowing whether it's the will of God to heal everybody. Certainly God can. Nobody will go so far as to say that's impossible for him. But with all the people that are out there saying that God sometimes uses sickness and so forth, why did Jesus respond in the way that he did when he was accused of casting out devils by the power of the devil? You remember the story. The Jews, after he was delivering somebody, the Jews said he cast out Beelzebub by Beelzebub. Do you remember how Jesus responded to that? He said, a house divided cannot stand. He said, if the devil's house is divided against itself, then it won't stand either. Well, if that's true for the devil, then it would have to be true for God too, then wouldn't it? If God's making people sick and healing them at the same time, then his house can't stand. Now, the fact is, God knew, Jesus knew, and Jesus' disciples knew where sickness came from. That's why Peter said, again in Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost in power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Everybody Jesus healed was oppressed of the devil. What does that tell us? That tells us all sickness and all disease is satanic operation or oppression against mankind. That's why Jesus never had to pray about what to do when it came to healing the sick. That's why Jesus never told anybody that came to him asking or seeking after healing. Jesus never had to say, hold on a minute. Let me go ask the Father if it's his will to heal you, and I'll be right back. Jesus cannot in any way or in any instance be operating contrary or in opposition to the will of God, which means everybody that Jesus healed, he healed because it's God's will to heal them all. He was real clear on that. Seems to be the church would be better at being clear on that too. The leper comes to Jesus and says, I believe you can heal me if you will. Notice verse 41. And Jesus moved with compassion. Put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he was cleansed. Well, let's keep reading. I I intend to stop there, but let's just keep reading. And Jesus straightly charged him and forthwith sent him away and said, See thou say nothing to any man, but go your way and show yourself to the priest. According to the law of Moses, there were certain uh, tests that had to be performed when a leper claimed to be healed so that it didn't put anybody else at risk. And so the priest had, a, had a, a series of tests that he had to do to examine him and so forth. So Jesus said, don't talk to anybody else, but go your way and show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. I like this guy. Notice what the, the leper that was healed did. But he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city but was without in desert places and they came to him from every quarter. This guy affected Jesus' travel plans. This guy affected where Jesus could go and how he could go there. 
He published it much. Well, I guess so. If you and I had been healed from leprosy, a death sentence like leprosy, we'd be happy about it too, wouldn't we? Let's look now over to Matthew chapter 14. This is following the um, beheading of John the Baptist by Herod. They bring Jesus the news in verse 13. And it says, when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude. Notice this phrase again. And was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. Notice what the compassion of the Lord brings. Healing from sickness and disease. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, Now this, uh, this is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. And that's when Jesus feeds the 5,000. Notice what Jesus' go-to position was when he was moved with compassion. He healed the sick. Let's look at some more examples. Turn with me now over to Matthew chapter 9. Verse 27, it says, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. But notice what they do. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. Now, I want you to understand something or see something in verse 27 particularly. The guy wanted healing for his eyes. He wanted his blind eyes opened. So what did he do? He called for mercy. Well, the fact that he received healing from blindness, the fact that he received his sight again, identifies to us that God's not put off by seeking his mercy in the area of physical healing for the physical body. Let's look at another example. Look now over to uh, what is still in Matthew chapter 9. Just skip down a couple of verses. Verse 35 it says, And when Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every manner of sickness and every manner of disease among the people... But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then he said, truly the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Chapter 10 tells us where he sent the disciples to do that very thing. Notice that the compassion of the Lord results in bringing the blessings of God, the same healings that he had brought upon the people and to the people in greater measure so that everybody could be reached. See, God's healing power was not for a select few. That's not the example that Jesus sends for us. It wasn't just for the the lucky chosen ones, the ones, the few ones that it was God's will to heal. Now, the Bible teaches that it was God's will to heal everybody. So much so that Jesus felt the need to duplicate himself to get the healing power of God, among other things. 
to where the people were. Look with me to Matthew chapter 20. Verse 30, and it says, Jesus is leaving from Jericho, and great multitudes followed him according to verse 29. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. Notice it again. They equated the healing power of God with mercy. And it worked. That's how they gained access to it. And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, what will you that I shall do unto you? They said unto him, Lord, their eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion, mercy. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Now, the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever in Hebrews 13, 8. The Bible says God never changes. He said it himself in the Old Testament, I am God, I change not. So if Jesus is the same and God is the same, as in this case where we just read concerning these two guys, notice that Jesus was moved with compassion to heal these two blind men only after they called on his mercy. They asked for mercy and mercy moved Jesus to heal their eyes. Now, if Jesus doesn't change and God doesn't change, what do you think God, what do you think God and Jesus attitude is toward us crying out for healing mercy? Has anything changed? Well, if so, I wish somebody would show me what has. The people in Jesus' day understood that you tapped into the healing power of God by requesting mercy. There are still other cases. But let's look at Psalm Psalm 100. We'll just read through the whole thing. It's only five verses. Psalm 100, verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now, do you remember where in, uh, what was it, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, 36, 37, where it says that Jesus was moved with compassion on the multitude because they were like sheep having no shepherd? That, this verse right here, Psalm 100, tells us that's exactly the situation that we are in. We're sheep. We like to say it in family terms. But if compassion on the multitude that he looked at as sheep who were following him triggered him to compassion to heal when he was here on the earth, why would it be any different now? Verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good His mercy, that would have to include any mercy, his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. His mercy is everlasting. That has to mean his mercy doesn't run out. So if mercy, crying out and seeking after mercy in Jesus' day while he was here on the earth, brought healing for the sick, why should it not bring healing for the sick now? 
See, the folks that say that Jesus healed on the, while he was here on the earth to prove that he was the Son of God, they've got a real problem. And here's what I mean. If Jesus healed only to show that he was the Son of God and he had power over sickness and disease, then the Holy Ghost really messed up by telling us how many times Jesus healed the sick because he was moved with compassion. See, if every time that it says Jesus was moved with compassion and healed them, it says that of the multitudes in several occasions. I think it's Matthew chapter 14, where it says Jesus was moved with compassion toward the multitude and healed their sick. Since the Bible identifies that, that mercy, compassion, was the initiator of his healing works, then that means it has to be available today because his mercy is everlasting. If every time that he healed because he was moved with compassion, if it instead said and he healed to prove he was the son of God, then okay, we wouldn't have an argument. We would have nothing to refute it. But it never says that. It never says what the modern day church says about healing. Never. Instead, it tells us about things that are eternal, like the mercy of God as being the motivator, as being the initiating force for Jesus bringing healing to the sick, whether it was a uh, serious condition or whether it was something that wasn't so serious. Jesus was moved with compassion and healed them. Now back to the leper in Mark chapter 1. When the leper comes and says, if you will, you can heal me. He's identifying that Jesus has in his estimation, in the leper's estimation, healing power available for him. But there's a big problem. He doesn't know if God wants to use it like that. If he knew what we know in the Bible about Jesus being made manifest here in the earth, the whole reason he came to the earth was to destroy the works of the devil. And he healed everywhere he went. So we know that has to include the works of the devil there. We've already seen Acts 10.38 where he was anointed by the Holy Ghost and went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Since Jesus knew that, this is the only place, the only place where we have any record whatsoever of somebody not knowing the will of God concerning healing. And Jesus instantly moved with compassion, instantly Brought healing to his body. Let me point out another scripture. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. Psalm 103. Verse 17 it says. But the mercy of the Lord. Is from everlasting to everlasting. Upon them that fear him. And his righteousness. Unto children's children. You can't exhaust the mercy of God. And from what we see concerning Jesus and his actions toward healing the sick, healing every manner of sickness and every manner of disease among the people. Since mercy was such a great part of that, since the God's tender mercies were over all of his works, we have to include every healing that occurred in Jesus' ministry, not just the ones where it tells us that Jesus was moved with compassion or the ones that where the, the people cried out for mercy in seeking their healing. But we have to accept if that verse of scripture is true, that his tender mercies are over all of his works, then we have to accept 
that even when mercy is not mentioned, it's still the root cause for Jesus healing the sick. I remember reading a story after John Lake. There was a a plague that came to the uh, place he was in South Africa. And it was devastating. And there were, um, there were only a few people in his church that contracted this disease, this plague, whatever it was. It was ravishing, ravaging the, uh, the city and many people had died. And it was, a, it was a gruesome thing as far as the circumstances and the symptoms were concerned. They were, uh, uh, people would die screaming in pain and, and that type of thing. Well, one of his church members uh, contracted this disease, whatever it was. And so he was called and he went and uh, people were sick in their homes uh, at that time. She was. And so he took it upon himself to stay with her. He prayed over her. She was delirious most of the time that he was there. And he stayed there for um, several days. I'm not sure exactly how many, but he stayed there for several days. And in a situation like that, you might catch a little nap along the way, but even the atmosphere is so charged up that it's just not a very restful thing. She couldn't get any rest. She couldn't get any um, relief from the pain. They were giving her morphine, which was the strongest thing they could, uh, that they had available, I guess. Maybe still is. I don't know. But anyway, after several days, family members came in and told him, go home, get some rest, take a shower, you know, We'll stay here with our loved one. And then you can come back at a later time. So finally they convinced him to go. And so he went, to, uh, he went home and, and changed his clothes and got cleaned up. He didn't take time to rest or anything like that. And he tried to get back to her as soon as he could. And he said, his testimony or his explanation about what, what happened, he said, I got within about four blocks of her house. And he said, I could hear her screams. She's screaming in terrible pain. He said, the next thing I knew, I'm sitting there in her bed. I've taken her in my arms. I've wrapped her up to hug her tight. And she was completely healed. He said, the last thing I remember was hearing the sounds of her scream. And he said, something, something from within me broke. He said, there was such an outpouring from my heart of love and compassion for her and the sickness that she's enduring and the things that have attacked her. He said, I don't remember walking, running, or however he got there, those last four blocks or so to, his, to her house. He said, I have no memory of walking into her room. I have no memory of taking her in my arms. I have no memory of any of those things. I was simply moved with compassion, and it did the job. I've often thought about that when when I read scriptures like we've looked at and many others, the many others that are there, about the Lord's compassion to heal. John Lake said, and he was writing this, uh, gave this testimony um, many years later. He said, I've never had the compassion of the Lord come on me like that ever again. He said, but the thing that occupies his thoughts, and from that point began to occupy his thoughts, and his desires to do what he could to help people for, on, uh, on God's behalf. He said, I often wondered, I wondered, began wondering from that point in time, and often would think about what would it be like to live 
in that condition of God's compassion. Well, if Jesus had the Spirit of God without measure, he probably did. It has to mean something where it says Jesus was moved with compassion. It's got to be something more than Jesus having pity on somebody. It's got to be something more than Jesus just saying, okay, Father, this person deserves this, so let me minister healing to her. It's got to be something more than that. What would it be like to live in a state of the Lord's compassion to help other people like John Lake experienced in that occasion? I don't have any doubt, but that would turn the world upside down. It's just a small segment of the family of God tapped into that kind of compassion. Compassion that overruled everything else. Wouldn't take long to reach the world with that, would it? The Lord is good to all, full of compassion. And of great mercy. Slow to anger. Thank God he is. And his tender mercies are over all of his works. His tender mercies are over all of his works. I think there's a tendency. I know there is with me. And I think it's. uh, Well I don't think it's just me. Let me say it that way. But I think there's a tendency with many of us. That we become so. Overtaken with the truth of God's word and our desire, our willingness to stand upon the word and live our lives by the word. That sometimes our faith grows at the expense of love. And it shouldn't be that way. The stronger we grow in faith, the stronger we should grow in love too. The more that we learn of God's will to heal the sick, The more it becomes a part of us, the compassion of the Lord should grow alongside with that. Jesus had to be the perfect blend of the love of God and the power of God to heal. Well, we know the power of God to heal was unlimited with him. He had the spirit without measure, which means he had all the power of God that there was to have. But you don't ever see Jesus working or moving or ministering to people without the foundation of love. I wonder what it means where it says Jesus was moved with compassion. Did that just mean he he stuck out his hands real quick to the leper? Or did it mean something more? When the Bible says that he was moved with compassion toward the multitude and healed their sick. I don't think anybody can define how much a multitude is. But it always impresses me that it's not a small number. I wonder what that meant. I wonder what it meant when it says Jesus was moved with compassion toward the multitude and healed their sick. Was it just simply he looked at his watch and said, well, it's time to heal these folks. Or was was it something that happened from the inside of him? a part of the character and the nature of God 
maybe even associated with the hatred of the devil's works and the way that he was robbing people that were part of God's covenant folks. I don't know about you, but I know that would be very much in line with my tendency. So I've started praying that I'd be moved with compassion. I haven't been praying it long, and I expect much greater results than what I've already experienced. But I'm beginning to see things differently. Not differently where the truth is concerned. but differently where the love of God is concerned. Jesus was moved with compassion. And it brought him to the miracle working power of God. It was the foundation, it was the catalyst for the healing power of God. I think perhaps one of the greatest things we could pray for in the last day move of God is not just his power to be seen, but for our compassion to be the cause of that power being seen. Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion at a guy that didn't know. He didn't know if healing was for him. Folks, when God starts healing people like that, We'll have a worldwide revival. When the compassion of God moves, his servants, his children, to minister healing to those that believe in his power but not his will to heal. When that happens, it won't take long to reach the world. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We recognize that it's your love for us that has provided us every good thing that we've ever experienced and every good thing that we will ever have. So we pray, Father, that the compassion and the mercy of God would rise up in us. We pray that you would cause us to be moved with compassion just like Jesus was on many occasions. We pray, Father, that that mercy would be so well known that people in our day, just like when Jesus was here on the earth, would come to experience your mercy to bring healing to their bodies, to bring deliverance to their lives. Move on us with the compassion of God. Let us be moved with compassion. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, we magnify you. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you were moved with compassion toward us to bring healing to our bodies, to send Jesus as a sacrifice for us. Now let that love flow through us in such a way that it brings healing and deliverance. In such a way that it sets people free. Oh 
Father, we're not choosing between love and power. We're asking that the love of God would release the power that's resident within us. That power that breaks every band, that heals every sickness and every disease. Let us be moved with your compassion to reach our world, to set people free, to occupy until Jesus comes. We ask you that in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for hearing and answering our prayer. Thank you, Lord, that your mercies, your tender mercies, are over all of your works. good to be in the presence of God, isn't it? Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus, because your mercy endures forever. Praise you, Lord, for your mercy endures forever. Praise you, Lord, for your mercy endures forever. Praise you, Lord Jesus, for your mercy endures forever. Bless you, Lord Jesus. 
for your mercy endures forever. Sure, Lord Jesus. Bless your holy name. Remember in Second Chronicles chapter 20, it talks about Jehoshaphat proclaimed a fast and set his face to seek God because of the five enemy armies that were gathered against them. You remember the story how that the Spirit of the Lord came upon a certain prophet in their midst and said, the battle is not yours. That's the Lord's. He told them by the Spirit of God to go out against the enemies the next day, but not to worry because they wouldn't have to fight. The next day came around and Jehoshaphat set the singers and the praisers out front of the military. You remember what they sang? Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. For his mercy endures forever. For his mercy endures forever. God's tender mercies are over all of his works and all of his works bring victory. I think that ought to be our song too. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know how to conclude a service like this when the presence of God is so strong in a place. The only thing I think we should consider is that we be respectful of that presence. So, that having been said, we'll dismiss the service, but out of respect to the presence of God, if you want to talk and fellowship, maybe the lobby would be a better place for that. If you want to stay and just Enjoy the presence of God, that's fine too. Thank God our Father, our Heavenly Father, is the Father of mercies. Amen. Thank you for being here. You are dismissed. <laughs>